Hello everybody, this is Dr. James Rudd, Associate Editor at Heart Journal. Many thanks for joining us on this episode of the podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by my friend and colleague, Dr. Mark Dweck from Edinburgh University. Dr. Dweck, welcome to the podcast. Hi James, nice to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. So Mark, I really wanted to talk to you about your career in cardiovascular research. This is part of a series we're running in heart called Cardiology in Focus. And we speak to young scientists, young researchers at different stages of their careers to really give us some insight into how they got into cardiovascular research. So perhaps we can go back to the beginning of your research career. So I understand you did undergraduate medicine in Edinburgh, Edinburgh University, is that right? Yes, so I uh, I went to medical school in Edinburgh and then I then did my SHO jobs as they were then in London and then uh, came back to do some registrar training in Edinburgh. So I think I did two years as a, as a registrar and then uh, wanted to do research and um, decided to do it with, with Professor Newby. I looked at um, all the fellows that had gone before me who had done extremely well and I knew him personally and knew he was a good guy, so um, that was actually a fairly easy decision for me. I didn't have to move to do it. It was all kind of set up for me there, so in many ways that was that was easy. And did you have a clue as to what area of cardiology or science you wanted, you were interested in? Was it something you are interested in clinically imaging, or was it something that developed during your, uh, your search phase, if you like? Yes, yeah, so I um, had already uh, decided on imaging by that point, so I had actually trained uh, in MRI at the uh, at the course down at the Brompton, done some uh, MRI research when I was there. So I, I had a fairly good idea that that's kind of what, what I wanted to do. And the timing was perfect because Professor Newby had just set up the uh, Clinical uh, Research Imaging Centre in Edinburgh. It kind of opened that year. And so uh, me and a girl called uh, Jenny Robson were the, the first imaging fellows in there. She did MRI, I did PET, and it kind of worked very nicely. And... What about the funding situation, Mark? How did you go about getting funding for the PhD? You remember we wrote a grant together, and um, initially uh, it wasn't successful. That's a fairly common theme. And this was to the British Heart Foundation for a clinical research fellowship, right? Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Yeah. So, so it got knocked back the first time. So I spent my first six or seven months in research without any uh, clear funding source or any project, and um, that's probably situation that many people face and um, I guess the advice uh, that I give to fellows that I meet in that situation is just to persevere with it and uh, you know if you've got a good supervisor it's highly likely that the funding will come in place at some point so I use that time to do a lot of reading we uh, wrote a review I wrote up some papers from the time that I'd spent at the Brompton and it's actually quite a productive time but you know no doubt a kind of stressful time. And then the funding eventually arrived, as you say, about nine months into your into your PhD period, and the the project was in essence a clinical study, wasn't it? There was recruitment of of subjects with aortic stenosis, who underwent different types of, of PET imaging and things, um, and then outcomes were measured uh, later on during the study. And as readers of this journal will know, it's been a very successful PhD, and and Mark is now established as a as a consultant and. Uh, senior lecturer up in Edinburgh University, but perhaps we can we can stick with the PhD for a little bit longer. What were the the challenges apart from not having funding for a, for nine months? What were the other challenges that you found 
during the actual research yourself? For example, how was patient recruitment? Was that something that you took to naturally? Were there barriers there? I think in the UK, I mean, certainly in Edinburgh, patient recruitment is relatively straightforward. There are lots and lots of patients. If you choose a common condition like aortic stenosis or coronary atherosclerosis, then there's a wealth of people to, to try and recruit into your studies. And generally, people are interested in doing it. Certainly, in the aortic stenosis population, we had about a 50% hit rate of people saying yes, which is nice. It stops you getting too demoralized if all the patients would prefer not to be in it. Um, so I just spent some time in the States, and recruitment there is extremely challenging. And so I think you know, if you want to do clinical research, in my mind, there's no doubt that the UK is an easier place to do that than the United States, even despite their kind of greater resources. And why do you think that is, Mark? Is there a, a, um, a just a barrier in terms of the, the funding situation in the States that makes it difficult to get patients into studies, or is it something more fundamental to the, the patient psyche over there, or is it just literally the pathways in the UK are really well established? I think it's a mixture of those things. I think the pathways are are definitely clearer, and there's, it's almost a cultural thing in in a teaching university in the UK, there's a culture that people do research, that uh, other consultants, your colleagues are happy to refer you patients and to get, you know, try and get involved with the research often. And that um, is a very healthy thing um, and, a, and an important link between the universities and, and the NHS. In the US, um, it's not, a, well, to, in my experience, it wasn't a resource thing. Uh, we had almost an unlimited ability to do scans on people. It was just that the physicians were in some ways reluctant to refer you the patients because obviously a lot of them depend on their patients for their livelihood. They don't want some unknown researcher annoying their patient, messing things up and, you know, ruining their reputation. I mean, it is possible and there are definitely research positive physicians in the, in the US, but it's not as easy as popping over to the wards in the UK, speaking to your colleagues and friends there, asking if there's anyone suitable and then just pointing you in the right direction. It doesn't work as easily as it does in the UK. I think that that's really good advice. We know that lots of people do like to go to the States for clinical fellowships, and I think they definitely have a role in finishing off training in the UK for cardiology fellows and intervention, structural heart disease, that kind of thing. But it's a very different mixture in, in the research, uh, on the research side of things. So the PhD went well, and you published quite a few papers in high impact journals. And then what did you do after that, Mark? Did you go back to your ST training to, com to complete your clinical training? So, um, yeah, we, we, having struggled to get the first grant, we then got a, a series of grants quite quickly after that. And um, so quite quickly, I ended up supervisor of other PhD students and took on a, a lecturer's job. Um, initially attached to Professor Newby's chair. So that was great. I had a, um, a split kind of uh, three days a week clinical, two days a week research. I didn't have to extend my training and uh, there was time for me to continue with the research as well as finish off all my clinical stuff. So that worked, that worked very well. And then um, I transitioned into a, a, an intermediate fellowship with the BHF, which I guess um, then established me more as an independent researcher, not so much in Dave's shadow, and um, you know, and that's what I'm doing now. And and also that allowed me to to travel to the U.S. and um, you know, as you were saying, a fellowship in the U.S. is an amazing thing. I absolutely loved it. I learned a huge amount, um, and they do things extremely well there. A lot of stuff that 
you know better than we do here but it, i guess it's it's nice to know that being in the uk there are certain things that you know certain advantages that we have and, and they definitely recognize that over there they're looking for collaborators in europe to help them with their clinical studies and what would you say the when you were doing your clinical lecturer job were there any tensions between what the nhs wanted of you as a high-flying highly qualified cardiology registrar and what the university and and david newby wanted of or was this all sorted out and, and and smoothed over by discussion between the two parties the infrastructure in edinburgh is very well sorted out i'm not the first person to have a lecturer's job there. there's a long history of that and so you know it's pretty clear that your academic sessions are protected having said that you have to try and achieve the same level of training as your colleagues that aren't in um, research and you you don't have any longer to do it in edinburgh i know it's different elsewhere so there is a big onus on you uh, you know working hard doing extra sessions a lot of the time you know your research and even the clinical stuff extends out of hours and um it's quite a difficult couple of years but you know it's well worth it because you you, you know you you become a consultant on time you get the research done it it does work although i wouldn't pretend that it's an easy choice and what are the other benefits do you think of, of a, a career in in research a, apart from the primary discovering new things exciting treatments exciting methodologies for imaging i guess you've you've learned to become a, a pretty competent writer uh, you've written i don't know how many papers now mark how many is it on pubmed it 60 papers right in the last what six or seven years something like that and statistics again is something people are often scared of when they're going into research i have research fellows starting with me who are scared stiff about getting into statistics yeah. is this something you picked up along the way or did you did you go on a, a kind of course locally in edinburgh how did you get around that uh yeah so i'm i would never confess to be a mathematician and um statistics terrified me so i, I went on a course i learned how to do basic statistics i can run basic statistics if i need to do anything more complicated than that then I have a colleague who sat next to me for a long time called Anup Shah and I ask him and he he's a genius on it and he 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 just runs it. So I guess it's you know knowing what your limitations are knowing what your strengths are. I think if you're in a good uh, research environment you realize that you know you can't be good at everything and the key is developing a team where you have people with complementary strengths and I think Dave Newby's done that extremely well. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's the same situation we have in Cambridge. You you find out what you're good at and you ask help for the things that you're not. And the other thing, I guess, that um, uh, that I would add to what you said is the network that you've established now of collaborators, both in, in the UK, as you were mentioning, Cambridge and Brompton as well as Edinburgh. And then you've also established a really good network across Europe and in the States. Is that right? I know you've got collaborators in Paris and obviously in New York and uh, you were telling me about a trip to California as well. So these are also, I guess, soft but very important positive spin-offs of research. Yeah, I mean, I, I was saying to you earlier that I, I didn't necessarily want to do research. When I went into my PhD, I wasn't absolutely sure that I wanted to be a clinical researcher. I was happy to do the PhD and see how it went. And very quickly, I realized that I was really into this. You you get a lot of reward from research um, quite quickly um, if things go well, and it's very um, seductive. You get to travel, you get to speak to interesting people, you get to meet friends around the world. It's it's actually a very um, enjoyable part of of my life. So you know, as well as the kind of philosophical thing of you know wanting to 
discover new things, be at the cutting edge, and you know having that challenge. It's it's not an easy life. It's something that often consumes you. You you work at things at all hours. My wife drives her crazy me on, on my laptop, but um, you know I wouldn't do it unless I really enjoyed it. And um, I would encourage anyone who's really interested in it to to pursue it because it gives you a lot back. Fantastic. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, Dr. Mark Dweck, thank you very much indeed for joining us on this episode of the Heart Podcast. And thank you to all our listeners. Music